Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, but for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And my name is Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. An entrepreneur always looking to solve a challenge for business owners and a business mentor supporting others to start, scale and grow their own business. Now, as today is our 110th show, that's 27 months since we launched the Business Brunch. Whether you're a regular listener or a new listener to the show, then you'll hopefully know that our show introduces you to local trusted experts whilst we also discuss topical issues that you the listeners are telling us that is impacting on local businesses right here in Oxfordshire. And today's theme is certainly one that we believe impacts on all business owners. On today's show we look forward to welcoming a guest that I met during my work with Oxford Brooks University Enterprise Support Team and facilitating their business scale-up programme. And she is Neela Matthews of Awakening Flow. So Ben, my usual question for the week to kick us off, we all perhaps strive for a work-life balance but is that really a myth what a great question mike um and if i knew the answer i would uh, i'd be very very happy indeed but hopefully i will know the answer in an hour's time um we'll be putting that question uh, to neela later in the show we're going to be exploring her experience her expertise and ideas in this area and i'm sure we'll talk about some general business this is the business brunch with better mike we'll be welcoming our guests after this get radio Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Better Mike on Get Radio. And today I'm really, really excited uh, to be joined by Neela Matthews of Awakening Flow. Um, welcome, Neela. Thank you for having me. No, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so let's start by um, almost setting the tone for, for the listeners. Um, so tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and indeed Awakening Flow. Of course. So yeah, like I said, I'm Neela, author and founder of Awakening Flow. I've actually got a 20-year background in... Um, innovation and product development and behavioral product development with that. So companies like Yahoo, <laughs> we're going back, Yell, um, and also Sky, who I've been with for, well, I was with them for 10 years, had a break, went back. And I've also worked with some startups in the first AI imaging company for um, oncology, which has been really oh. great. And so with all of that, my real passion was about closing the gap, the gap between what people say and want and do and get. At work, it's the market research problem. Customers say one thing, they do another. For human beings, it's that gap of suffering, our future self, what we want to dream about and have, and then why we fall into that gap. It's part behavior. It's part unconscious. It's part emotion. But actually, what I found was after, and this is a little bit of a trigger warning for some people, I had several, um, either a couple of losses, went on to unconscious trauma, and several operations. Um, that really left me in that gap of suffering and I couldn't perform at work properly at that heightened level I used to. And I felt I couldn't talk about that at work. When I got back to work, that became the key thing to really help me cross that gap. 
So I ended up leaving work, going back to do a master's in psychology. And that was the start of a route that went from the brain to behavior to looking for tools that actually work, which led me into somatics, which is about the nervous system, which I'm going to talk about today. And then actually the science of intuition. So I go to an extreme, but it's all about closing that gap and flow. So flow I use a lot, but flow is an optimal state of being and consciousness. All the research points to has being able to problem solve 500 times better because of it. We can be more creative, but we need to know how to. <laughs> and, and that, again, is one of the key things. But in ancient wisdom, it wasn't a state that we could switch on or off. It was a way of being. And so all of my journey, I always call it the, you know, the blend between science, spirituality, and a sense of lightness. And I'm going to come to that lightness or sense of humor in order to do that flow properly and get over our own circuit breakers. So that is why I call it awakening flow. I really want us to awaken it, but it's about work. It's about life. It's about how we close that gap to where we really want to get to. And, you know, how we do, I can't remember, is it Tony Robinson who says this? How we do anything is how we do everything. And as far as that question goes, you know, can we balance work and life? Well, the nervous system can't. So it's a myth. <laughs> so what do we do about it? That was the question that I found myself asking. And it's really at the heart of what I do. Amazing. Amazing. No, thank you for, um, thank you for that intro and certainly lots to explore. Um, I saw Mike writing down on this notepad, so I'm sure he's got some, uh, yeah, some really, really good questions for you there. Um, but before that, before the round table discussion, um, the most difficult question I'm sure you're going to be asked all morning, um, well, based on past, past guests, certainly is your song choice. So you've, um, you've been asked to choose a song for the listeners this morning. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? So funnily enough, it's actually, and I played it just before I got on here. It's um, the soundtrack from La La Land. But you're either going to hate it or like it, but it's just another, but just another sunny day. And I've encoded my brain to switch on positive cues when I hear it. It's got me through the worst of times. It gets me through the best of times. And I'll explain why soon. Interviewing Oxfordshire's business leaders. This is the Business Brunch, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Uh, before that song, chosen by Neela, um, around La La Land, I think she's obviously read into my mind already, but uh, we've been talking to Neela and getting her to introduce her expertise of why we've uh, asked her to join us on today's show. And as always, our show aims to ask her to share her knowledge, experience and expertise so that we can discuss around the topical issue that we have as a theme today, and that is breaking the myth of the work-life balance. So as a reminder, our expert guest is Neela Matthews of Awakening Flow. And Neela, we spoke uh, before the show about this reference to the myth of the work-life balance. So I guess the best place to kick off our discussion is, can you tell the listeners a little bit more around some of your thoughts around it being a myth? Just to kind of backtrack a little bit, firstly, you know, I went through my own issues, which ended up feeling, I didn't know it at the time, that I was very anxious. Um, and it was a run up. And it's almost like the invisible straws that start piling on the camel's back. And we think we can compartmentalize problems in our brain. And, and this is why I went and learned about psychology and the neuroscience. I've even, and I still am a mental health tutor for Restore, who do some great work but they provide education. And we think that we can intellectualize this and then deal with it. Or we go to work and we'll compartmentalize that work. And then we'll go home and then 
deal with work issues separately. But the truth is, 80% of what's happening to you is happening from the body to the brain. So I'm going to be talking about the vagus nerve. But the vagus nerve is what we know now to be your resilience nerve. I've been studying with um, Dr. Steve Porges, who was the founder of a lot of that theory. It's called polyvagal theory. But what it means is it's the nervous system that holds the stress and our energy system. It's not the brain. Our brain likes to think it's in control, but it really isn't. And so when we go to work, we put on our rational part of that brain. But where the stress is piling up, that invisible straw that hits the camel back, it's your system itself, your nervous system. And so where that's flowing, you will feel like, I mean, for some people, you're going to combat when you feel threatened or you don't feel safe. And for some people, and I'm going to say a lot of women here, will collapse in various situations. That's the flight, fry, fight, flight, freeze, and fawn. Now, lots of people haven't heard of the term fawn, so I'm just going to explain that. For a lot of people, that means that you don't feel safe enough to air your opinion. And what you end up doing is falling into that, oh, okay, yeah, no, I agree. And it's a a resigned flow. You go with the flow, but in the worst possible way. And that all hits your confidence. That all is all quite overwhelming. And so from a brain perspective, what's going on is we have three segments, which you may have heard about the trying brain. But the first part is the lower stem. Am I safe? Now, if we don't feel safe and say it's to do with something outside of work or something within work, your nervous system is holding on to all of that. It's that stress response. And that's why you either combat or you collapse, especially where your body feels like it's not safe to do that. And your brain is just looking for a cue. What should I feel right now? Oh, you don't feel comfortable. All right, well, then you're not comfortable. Oh, you're not going to do this. Or I've got imposter syndrome. Your brain is just taking that trigger from your body and then it makes it a reality. So you're consciously creating your reality from that, that trigger. So from the lower stem, am I safe? Then we go to the middle part. Am I loved? Am I supported? So again, that's looking for cues of love and safety. And and what can we do to do that, create that? And the last thing that happens is your rational, what am I learning? But if you've already circuit braked at the bottom level, am I safe? No, I'm not. My boss is about to have a go mad. I mean, when I went, I'm going to just say this little story. But when I went back to Sky, I had a 10-year there, four-year break, and then I went back. The culture had changed dramatically to one where we had, he was an amazing director. He got things done, but boy, did he fry people's nervous systems because there's a way to do things and there's a way to use carrot and stick to do things. All of the organizing psychology shows that doesn't work, but what it did to people's nervous systems, including mine, but I actually got on quite well with him because I used a different tactic. When I went back and spoke to all of the executives, some of them actually used the word, oh, I've fried nervous system. I'm unraveling that. I'm doing that because I didn't feel safe. Now, from a neuroscience perspective, we know that if you're in heightened stress or in trauma, you cannot think creatively. You cannot um, make decisions. Your body's in that collapsed position. So we're getting 10% of you if that. That could happen at work. It could happen in life. And when I was at um, Restore, I saw a lot of executives come in who said, I'm burnt out. One day I was at work and the next minute, I don't even remember where I was. I was in at home. I don't know how I got there or they've had a mental breakdown. They've been sectioned. I mean, some of these are extreme, but there was a lot of very 
very good people who just went from zero to 10 and zero being crash. And I think where I was, was I found I was fatigued and burnt out. And my operations I know now were, if I think about, I'm not going to talk about epigenetics, but we do know that mind-body reaction. And I found myself getting worse and worse in my illness. And it was only after I took serious steps and I turned myself into a human lab looking for interventions that I've got better. And I've got dramatically better from people I know that haven't. Um, so so I've, I've done really well. And that's what I wanted to bring is I never want anyone else to think there's not a solution because there so is. Yeah. And so that's the myth. The myth is that we think we can compartmentalize when actually, unless we've released the trauma, released the stress, and there are ways to do that, we can't. And it just gets worse. Interesting. Interesting. No, re- re- really good. Uh, really good start to this section of the show. Um, so something that came out um, as, as you were speaking there, which which I think we all see quite regularly is um, that piece around around resilience. And you were speaking about um, one of the directors at Sky in terms of um, your, your words that he was he was a brilliant manager, a brilliant leader, and he and he got stuff done. But but then on the flip side, um challenging for, for 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 people and and their mental strength um what what would be your advice to leaders out there in terms of um i think sales is a very good environment to focus on isn't it where where you where you've got the pressure above you to be able to hit targets and and needing your team to do it but at the same time look after the well-being of your people what what would be your advice there it's a really great question actually and um i have been writing a lot about um creativity and flow and where that comes from is the unlocking the secrets of neuroscience around why creatives are special, because they use their neurons in a very different way, um, which unlocks them to perform at a higher level. And actually at the heart of all that, which is the fact that they're curious and they're compassionate and they're open and they don't take anyone at, you know, they don't treat anyone with that carrot or stick and it's about understanding who that human is at that time. So how do we get things done is firstly, be curious about who you're talking to, because there's been so much talk recently about people being neurodiverse. And actually, you know, there's a stat actually saying that 80% of the people are. But what that means is that you have to, as a leader, put yourself into their all of their different shoes, but lead from the heart, lead from the purpose. Why are you doing this? Don't just do this. There was a great term we used to use was um, JFD, just uh, fudging, do it. <laughs> Excuse me for my words, but that really put people's um, backs up and nervous system because it meant that they didn't have any authority over themselves. So Dan, Dan Pink's book, have you ever read Drive? He talks about the great book for any everybody should read it especially if you're a business owner because it's about purpose it's about um, autonomy and it's about drive it's not drive it's the three purpose autonomy and uh, mastery but what that means is if you've got people under you you need to understand that they're working to your purpose but sell your why your mastery comes through your own ability to feel safe in what you're doing and and allow your views to be put forward. And then that authority about what you do and the sovereignty over it. So if you're a manager trying to direct them, sell them your vision. You know, it's sell them the why. I've spent a lot of time with Mike saying, if you want people to follow you in a business, 
your why has got to be really important. And it's about pulling people with that heart first, head, hearts and guts, basically. Your head is the last thing that reacts. Of course, you will then do it. But where we still use the carrot and stick phenomenon where we're saying do it or else, well, you've already switched off 80% of their creativity to get that done. And when we're creative, which is an optimal human function, and that's one definition of creativity, they're going to bring their whole self to that problem. They're going to bring more than themselves to get that done. So I always quote the sort of NASA crisis when they had Apollo 13. They didn't need engineers. They needed creative engineers because we're working in a crisis. We've got a time frame. We've got limited resources. But what we need now is you to switch on that creative button in your head and work together to get that done. You put stick over that and say, you must do it. Well, you've just switched off. And the re- and there's a real interesting thing about the clue for how we do creativity. We've got the executive attentional system, which does the working and all the prep and all the thinking. We need our mind to switch on. It's something called the default mode network, for, for want of better word, letting your mind wonder, the subconscious. If you've got rubbish in there, guess what? Rubbish in, rubbish out. It's a bit like AI. If you've got things that you don't know or that you're you don't feel you're worthy of, or you can't do it. They're all the circuit breakers. So we need to clear that. That's the work that I do. What's your unconscious limits? And then you've really got to turn on that imagination cell. But guess what brings it together? There's another neural network, and it's the saliency networks. It's looking at these two networks, which can't work together. They're very different. One's either on, and then the other's one's on. But we need the noticeability network, the saliency network, and it needs so basic a good mood (laughs) it needs you to feel good but you can't bypass that we can create a state i have developed a um, flow state based on other people's research and great heart math institute work how to create a flow but we can generate a flow which we can sustain and it's not from the head it's actually from the heart and i can talk about that in a moment but it's the start of a lot even in my i may or may not talk about intuition here but I use my entrained intuition and we can use our energy. We are all energy. We use that first. But that good mood or that gratitude, all of those things need to switch on that magic button. It's really simple. It's almost too simple, but it's actually quite hard to do for the first time. I help a lot of my clients do that within the sessions we do, whether they're one-to-ones or workshops. But yeah, you know, it's almost like going back to Harry Potter. I take everything back to Harry Potter. I'm really sorry. Dumbledore said it's all about love. Guess what? It can't be, but it is. (laughs) And I just want to say one more thing. Fear isn't really there. So, you know, I would say befriend fear and avoid burnout. We've got to befriend fear and chaos. We can avoid burnout. And that for me is the key. You know, fear is not a bad thing. Chaos will always happen. How do we meet it? And that's that for me is, you know, if we had an athlete, their measure of success is how quickly can their heart rate go back to 40, 50? So I used to be an aerobics instructor. I do spin. I do a lot of triathlons. I do a lot of running. My heart rate will go quite quickly back to 45, probably a bit higher now, a lot older. But people that want to be able to master themselves, your success is really about how quickly can you compose your nervous system to go back to a state. And I'm not even talking about equilibrium. If you've been able to bring yourself back into equilibrium without getting rid of all of the rubbish in your nervous system and releasing that trauma, 
if you think about stress as you start life with two little mice that need to balance, as you get older and you don't deal with it, you have a mouse to a dog, to a lion, to an elephant, and that becomes homeostasis for you. Your stress response to bring yourself back in feels like two elephants, which isn't a good place to be. And that's what I mean by the myth of the work-life balance is the equal opposite to bring yourself back into equilibrium means you need a huge response to bring your stress levels back. And I just want to, and I know she won't mind, one of the people that I work with in the Institute of Intuitive Intelligence, she's a leader. Um, she's worked with some of the best leaders in America, and she's goes internationally around. Now, she was 38. She ignored her body signs. She had a heart attack in a meeting. She, she could feel it happening. Everything was getting paralyzed. And guess what she did? She finished the meeting and she, she, you know, quite calmly did that. Women are great at kind of mirroring, masking and doing things. And then after the event, she quietly took herself off to A&E to go, I think I just had a heart attack. And they're like, you know what? You've missed the markers, but I think you have. And her cortisol in her heart was so high that they had to take her off work. But she was a dancer, a professional dancer, nothing to do with her fitness, Nothing to do with whether or not she ate right. Of course she did. But actually, it was because she was ignoring all of the signs. So, yeah, so I just wanted to wrap up there just to say I do a lot of sport. And actually, that can mask for me as well because I'm kicking endorphins into my system. But for me, it felt like putting a sticky tape over my stress and going, I'm fine. Or smiling, I'm good. And actually, although I said a good mood, that's what I meant about you can't mask these things. They can't, they have to sustain. You would never run your business in an unsustainable way. We can't run ourselves in an unsustainable way either. And that's the work. Well, good job. We've got to go to a song because um, I've been intently listening to myself and learning myself. I've not even thought what the next question was. So perhaps in this song, I'll be able to think about what my next question for Neela may be. But thank you, Neela, for your thoughts so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. Oxfordshire Station. Get Radio. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Before that song, we were talking to Neela about her expertise, knowledge and experience. And um, we're going to carry on that conversation. And Neela, my question I thought of whilst we were listening to that tune was around um, compartmentalisation, because you've mentioned that a, a couple of times in terms of can we, can't we? So I think it'd probably be a good idea. Me and Ben love a tip on this uh, show, but perhaps you can give some tips to our listeners about how we can compartmentalise stress. Yeah, of course. Firstly, acknowledge it. And I think this is this is the thing that we don't like doing. It's fear wants to be seen. It's almost like a child in the back seat going, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And it doesn't, it gets louder and louder and louder. Now I had just this same thing. So in the last couple of weeks have been super, super hard personally. And then I had last year, last last um, week, I had a deadline for a writing, writing that I need to get in on Friday. I had a pitch that I needed to do, which Mike was kindly there as well. And then on top of all of that, my car broke down. <laughs> but I needed to have a really serious conversation. And, and I was like, okay, I want to acknowledge you. And I've also put a date in my diary to say I'm going to have that conversation with someone. And so I put a date and I'm not ignoring it. But what I did for myself to compartmentalize it was I under I actually, so I use a lot of energetic tools. So firstly, I align myself. So breathing is pranayama. Prana is life force. 
Yama is control. So I use a breath to control that. If I still feel like I'm getting out of control, especially before a meeting, and I feel like I'm ungrounded, there's a really simple tool that we can use. Now, anyone listening and not looking is going to find this a bit weird, but you can, and this is talking to the resilience nerve within you, that um, vagus nerve. And so our face is connected to our heart and there's a the part of the nerve runs upwards. It's the social connection part. Putting your hands on your face, it's just calming yourself down. And if you're feeling really ungrounded, you can draw a figure of eight, take one finger and kind of just draw it around your eyes until you yawn. And by yawning, you're shifting energy and like you're just taking time there. So that's something you can do or you can shake. But in order to compartmentalize, I always use something called tapping. Um, you may have called it emotional freedom technique, but it's a technique that a lot of um, people that suffer from post-traumatic stress use. And it's really well researched and there's a lot of really good data. So we just tap at the side of my hand and basically say, even though I've got this fear that I need to deal with, and maybe I set a time or maybe I just say, even though I have this fear and self-doubt, I accept myself just the way I am. And I choose to put this aside for now and I will deal with this soon but I accept myself just the way I am. Breathe in, breathe out, and then shake it. So what I've done is set a date in the diary to deal with it. And I'm shaking my hands because actually one of the key things about your vagus nerve and that shifting of trauma and fear is we shake like a dog. If you've ever seen a dog, you know, after a traumatic, they kind of shake and reset. The same for us. You're allowing it to transmute because we are energy first. Energy from the law of thermodynamics, it says, it does not disappear. You transform it or transmit it. So that very small shake just means we're allowing it to leave our, our nervous system. It was something I actually learned from um, Dr. Ariane Schwartz, who wrote Post-Traumatic Growth. And, it, it, you know, the irony is she mentioned that to me. And then the following week, I was in, um, I was the first responder to an accident and everything was you know, we kept everything really calm because my energy was calm. Energy is a really key key way that I hold myself and my energy high and my nervous system together. But after we dealt with that incident, which was really, really calm, I was stood there shaking like, like a crazy woman in the middle of the street. And this policeman said, what are you doing? And I said, well, it's traumatic. It's to release the trauma. It's a somatic practice. And he just went, oh, I need some of that. So we just both stood there and the policeman came. Those three of us just stood there all shaking. And then, you know, anyone else that was at the scene. So we were just breathing and shaking. We're releasing that trauma. And that's things that we can do all the time. So compartmentalizing means what are the tools you're going to use to allow yourself to deal with that? So it's moving out of the body. But we never, we never bypass it. We never bypass that fear. We never bypass that. And when it does need to be dealt with I just deal with it when I when I'm regulated what I mean by that is co-regulation is something we talk a lot about so if you have a baby who's crying and crying and crying if you picked it up with a heightened emotion you wouldn't be able to bring that baby down because you need to be in a regulated position you need to be co-regulating it which is why we kind of swaddle them so you need to deal with yourself. I hate to use the horrible cliche, put your mask on first, you know, the gas mask, breathe. When you're in that regulated place, then you can regulate someone else. Otherwise, and I hate saying this, but it's the traumatized, traumatizing others. And we see this a lot with coaches that aren't or mentors that aren't qualified or they've had a couple of CBT sessions or had a couple of mentoring sessions and think they can tr- 
solve the world. People don't need solving. People don't need to be healed. We just need to be witnessed and help release some of that and then get to the problem. I think I've heard you say before, Mike, that you can't tell people what to do, but you can ask them the questions or show them the mechanisms to help them help themselves. And that's what I aim to do. I aim to empower you with these tools. And then the second part of that is what's the unconscious parts that have trapped you in this cycle of patterns or thought processes? And that's where my work as an intuitive intelligence um, trainer, mentor comes into being. And anyone can do it, but you can't use gut intuition if you're dysregulated (laughs) because it will just send you, you know, it's, it's false. You just can't do it. No, really good insight. Thank you for that. Um, We will continue the conversation after this song. The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. And before that song, we were um, hearing um, Neela's real insight um, into the myth um, of the work-life balance. Um, you know, I just want to um, make make the conversation may, maybe a little bit negative, um, if you don't mind, um, and, and really, really kind of ask you what what should what should we do when we when we are overworked and we are overstressed and we and, and there is no no choice but to to deal with it because I think that um, one of the things I hear a lot from from business owners um, both on this show and off this show is that there are times when this amazing deal to buy this new business becomes available and you've got a week to do it or this big deadline or this happens. And I think it's very common for entrepreneurs to work 16, 18 hour days for, for a short period. So during those times, what what would be your advice? What what can you do when there is no choice but to be very overworked? Yeah, that's been my last three weeks. <laughs> and, you know, it's flowing. I always call it flowing against the odds because mm. and at that point, there's times where I've had to take moments of stillness and bring myself back into alignment. So I'm not getting myself into my nervous system into this sort of very hyper chaoticness. So I don't know if you've ever been around people that have got so much on their energy feels chaotic and all like this, and they're not thinking or they're talking. I used to be like this, you know, especially early on my career, it was like, Neela, slow down. And actually that breath and that conscious thought to think I am all over the place what is your energy doing are you conscious of what your energy doing and what I did a lot in the last couple of weeks and you know you can palpably feel that anxiety you're tight your chest gets tight you're feeling like this and I was walking around going and I was literally walking around unconsciously tapping myself on the side of my hand and that is just tapping and you're releasing as you're doing that And what I realized and what we know in neuroscience is if I was to talk brainwave states, you're in high beta, high beta is stress. You are almost stuck in second gear as far as your brainwave states goes. Now, if you need to make analytical decisions or you need to work and pull things together, I need your brain to be in what's called a low beta or um, mid beta. There you're productive. There you're good actually drinking a glass of water (laughs) because people are actually often dehydrated if you're one percent dehydrated you're 12 percent falling in productivity so something as simple as stopping and taking a break to drink water nourishing your brain there's brain food as well so 
conscious things, be conscious of what your energy is doing. And I do something as simple as hand on heart, breathe in and slowly out. The out breath needs to be longer. So if you breathe in for four, breathe out for six. I now welcome my energy back without, I always say, you know, I now welcome all of my energy back home. It may be scattered on to-do lists or what I should do, but I call it home. Breathe in a couple of cleansing rounds of breath can just ground you and bring that high beta back into some sort of alignment for you. I'm shaking a lot. (laughs) I'm tapping a lot. And what I find, and because, of course, I'm trained with this, is that I can guide myself and my brain into alpha if I need to think divergently or creatively. I, my most, when I'm under the most stress, I actually make myself sit for 15 minutes and meditate, visual, visual guided meditation back into alignment. I've put, I, I'm actually going to say on Insight Timer, which is a free meditation app, I've actually got one um, meditation on there, which is about how do you bring yourself back into alignment when you're stressed? So, you know, more than welcome to go into for you to um, go and use that there or I can send you that by email but sometimes when we bring ourselves back to stillness and allow our brain to get back into a state which allows you to be productive is the most productive thing you can do otherwise you're running around trying to get things done but you're not productive you're not going to you're almost working at the shallow end of what you can achieve and what we want you to do is get to the deep end and that's your best best, most optimal self. I need you to flow. And there is a tool used um, with which is starts from your head and goes to your mind. The HeartMath Institute kind of did a lot of science around this. And there's a great TED talk that they do. And what they're actually doing is allowing you to, it's almost like breathing through your heart. Again, we're back to how do we switch on that magical happiness button in your, and we say brain, but your heart brain. And when I did my brain scanning studies, what I saw really clearly was the unconscious responded before the conscious because I used an invisible prime. You wouldn't have seen it, but it changed the behavior of what you did next. That was really clear. A couple of milliseconds. Now, the HeartMath Institute work showed that the heart knew five to six seconds before your conscious brain. That's because it's precognitive. But we needed to generate and create that state. And so we start very much by hand on heart. I call all the scattered parts of me home. Breathing in for four, out for six, and then call to mind something, you know, pay some person, place or thing that fills you with gratitude, love, joy, freedom, appreciation. And let that really build around your heart. Blow it out. Let that feel. And then let that travel to the top of your head to the bottom of your toes and let it just, you know, as if if you were holding little tingly things in your finger, let that just emanate down from your hand. The three-minute exercise just brings you back into flow and alignment and then go from there. Awesome. Well, I'm pretty re- pretty relaxed, Ben. I don't know about you. I, I can't <laughs> even think of questions now. I'm so relaxed. But I, th- I think one of the things that, from my own experience of working with organisations in Oxfordshire that help people around mental health, stress, etc., is it's very important to recognise the external factors or perhaps the triggers that impact on our stress. So from your experience, you know, what's what's been the impact of stress of things like the pandemic, cost of living, economic uncertainty, etc.? They've been huge drivers for all of this. But, you know, uncertainty, the brain doesn't like it. 
And we, and again, it's back to that invisible straw and all of those things are impacting. And then other people's energies impact it as well. And I think, especially when I was working with, um, I was doing more work with Restore during the pandemic. And that uncertainty about when was it going to stop? When is it not going to stop? And then there was this, oh my God, I want to see people. And now it was, I don't want to see people. I've got so used to being at home that I don't know what to do. All of those things means that you need to know your triggers. What does your body tell you? Some people hold that in their shoulders. I hold it very much in my stomach. Um, And your stomach, if you hold it there, it's usually a cue for me that you're going to be in collapse or you're going to be in that fawn or freeze. That's where we need to do something as simple as hand on heart, hand on stomach and breathe into those. If you find you get anxious or combative or feel like there's that rage going on, you can sometimes just take a pillow and scream in it, <laughs> release it. But knowing what your triggers are, is it a person? Is it watching the news? Is it uncertain situations? Is it about going into some situations? And then what are the tools that you're going to use to allow you to get in there? Because we do need to unravel those knots and we do need to reset you. And we can absolutely do that. But knowing what your response is, starting physically, mentally, means that we can start giving you tools to actually deal with that. When I was, um, again, I'm going to share, and this is something silly, but when I was at Sky um, and I'd be in a big technology meeting, mostly guys who thought I was a woman and didn't know what I was talking about. And of course, I always did because I'm a woman. I would firstly get, you know, first I went through collapse and then I went through combat and none of those things work because your energy is it's so concretized that people stop listening to you. And so I had a little picture of a space hopper <laughs> and I say space hopper because it made me laugh. So when someone would say something, first I would be like, breathe in and out, look at the space hopper, which gave me enough time to giggle, which was the lightness I needed. And then I, when I responded, I didn't react with the anger. I responded with curiosity and love. And the assumption that I made in my brain was, he thinks I'm rubbish. Well, was it true? No. Was it 100% true? Absolutely not. So what will you do next? I'm going to respond in the compassionate and curious way that this person needs. And if he sounds like he's being combative, I'll just say, hey, I'm just feeling like, you know, this is turning into a bit of a personal issue. Should we just take a moment? And then slowing down meant that the other person slowed down. But I took control of my energy and then I took it from there. Now, that was a bit of a mind trick and I was using pranayama and the breathing. And now I now I know I also add other tools, but I go into that meeting with an entrained energy where I'm already not going to be triggered because I'm like, I'm learning, I'm listening, I hear you. But that whole, is it true? Is it 100% true? What would I be without this thought? I would be creative and more productive. So how can I switch that off? Yeah. No, really, really good on insight um, as uh, as per the other sections. Um, but unfortunately, um, time is up um, yeah. and that is the end of the show. Um, but thank you so much uh, for joining us on the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio today. Um, if you are just tuning in, um, I definitely recommend, as always, listening back. Uh, we've had Neela Matthews of Awakening Flow. So thank you, Neela, for your time and your contribution to our ty- to our discussion. Brilliant. Thank you very much. It is an experience. If you do want to experience it, 
I'm doing some work with Bolton with Oxford Brooks, um, which is more about finding focus through flow, which is more cerebral, but we've got some practical tools and I'll be doing some more meditation and visioning as well at the end of the month. So Amazing. check me out on awakeningflow.com. You've been listening to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. We're back next Sunday with brand new guests, including Kareem Skeet, uh, who's the CEO of the Oxford Engineering Group and also a member of the Board of Advisors of the AI Forum. And we'll be discussing all things around artificial intelligence and the topical question, should we stop it? So finally, I'd also like to add that we have a reminder for you that you can listen via the radio or online each Sunday at 11 o'clock. The podcast format, which is available on all your favourite podcast formats, is released on Monday morning. And the video format is then posted on the Get Radio Facebook page and their website every Tuesday. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll see you next week.